0: Well, good morning, morning. I I hope everybody here this morning is doing well, and this morning I'll be reading scripture for us, and I'll be reading out of Romans chapter 12 in its entirety. I'll be reading out of the Christian Standard Bible. If you don't have that translation, you'd like to follow along word for word, we'll have it up on the screen. So without further ado, let's get into it. All right. Therefore, brothers and sisters, in view of the mercies of God, I urge you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true worship. Do not be conformed to this age, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may discern what the good, pleasing, and perfect will of God is. For by the grace given to me, I tell everyone among you not to think of himself more highly than he should think. Instead, think sensibly as God has distributed a measure of faith to each one. Now, as we have many parts in one body and all the parts do not have the same function in the same way, we who are many are according to one body in Christ and individually members of one another. According to the grace given to us, we have different gifts. If prophecy, use it according to the portion of one's faith. If service, use it in service. If teaching, in teaching. If exhorting and exhortation, giving with generosity, leading with diligence, showing mercy with cheerfulness. Let love be without hypocrisy, detest evil, cling to what is good. Love one another deeply as brothers and sisters, outdo one another in showing honor. Do not lack diligence and zeal. Be fervent in the spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope, be patient in affliction, be persistent in prayer, share with the saints in their needs, pursue hospitality, bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse, rejoice with those who rejoice, weep with those who weep, live in harmony with one another, do not be proud, instead associate with the humble, do not be wise in your own estimation. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Give careful thought to do what is honorable in everyone's eyes. If possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Friends, do not avenge yourselves. Instead, leave room for God's wrath because it is written, vengeance belongs to me. I will repay, says the Lord. But if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For in so doing, you will be heaping fiery coals on his head. Do not be conquered by evil, but conquer evil with good. Lord, we love you and we thank you for your word. We thank you for letting us gather here as a body of believers. And I pray that we cling to your word this morning. And I pray that you please open our hearts and our ears to your message so that we may apply it to our everyday lives. And please be with Pastor Dean as he brings the word and just give him the words to say so we might... Be changed through it, Lord. I pray this most holy name. Amen.
1: Joy and worship last week. This week, we're talking about joy and service. We talked about how in the Old Testament, you used to have to do things to create joy. Whereas now, in the New Testament, we get to have joy by the Spirit, God's presence living in us. We don't have to call God's presence. God's presence fills us, and uses us from the time in which we've been born again in Jesus Christ. I actually joked last week that asking Chris uh, to bring a bull next Sunday, and they did. They did. They went on Amazon and got me a bull, right? You know, Um, I don't know if this was acceptable as a sacrifice in the Old Testament, but I mean, it's close enough, you know, but... (laughs) It's good. It's good. Yeah, it's symbolic, right? And so we don't have to do these things anymore. We have Jesus. It's not about what we do. It's about what he's done for us. And since as believers, he's done for us what we cannot do, we live for him. And that's what we're talking about today is serving him. Joy in service. We should have joy as we love one another. That's what God calls us to do. So in the first two verses of chapter 12, probably the two verses you've heard more than any others in this passage, Brothers and sisters, and therefore, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, of the mercies of God's, I urge you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true worship. Don't be conformed to this age, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may discern what is good and pleasing and the perfect will of God. What we see here is the practical section of Rome. Of Romans. And what we see in this practical section of Romans is that joy in service is the Christian response. And that's our big idea today. Joy in serving Jesus and one another. Joy in service is the Christian response. It's what we do. And you know how the passage opens with therefore? And you always ask, well, what's that therefore? And if you go back to the first uh, 11 chapters of Romans, a very rich book that maybe at some points is hard to understand, but we see that, that Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, writes about sin, salvation, sanctification, or becoming more like Jesus and God's sovereignty or his complete control. And he's saying, in light of all these mercies, present your bodies as a living sacrifice not a dead bull but a living but a living sacrifice that's what we're called to do we're called to be bullish for Jesus how uh, you like that right I, I just came up with that I just came up with that um thank <laughs> thank you Chris So our our supporting idea, our main point number one that we see uh, supporting our big idea is that joy and service results from God's mercy. Joy and service results from God's mercy. You hear these terms, mercy and grace, a lot. Mercy is is not getting something you deserve. It's like when your grandmother, you know, because I don't know, my grandmother was worse than my mother in discipline, and like I did something wrong and that little 4 foot 10 woman uh somehow could chase me and uh get me to go pick out the switch outside y'all know what I'm talking about you pick, you pick the smallest one it's the most painful all that stuff um well when she relented i understood mercy you know and uh mercy is not getting something we deserve you know uh Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 2, we were by nature children of wrath. We talked about our memory verse. In your wrath, remember mercy. We deserve God's wrath. We deserve death, hell, and the grave. But through Jesus, his mercy, taking on God's wrath against sin and and our, our pain and our destruction, taking it on in his flesh, we have now been made alive in Jesus. I, I pray that you feel that joy this morning. And if you don't, I invite you to follow Jesus this morning. So in view of God's mercies, present your bodies as a living sacrifice. In fact, he says, I urge you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice. This word urge in the Greek is parakaleo. And, and that word is what what Jesus uses in the gospel of John, paraklete for the Holy Spirit. So our urging is a spiritual urging. It's a spiritual longing. It's, we don't have to tell Christians what to do. Christians, you know someone's saved because they act differently. The different actions don't save them. But Christians who are saved act differently. They stumble and they fall. Like I saw Kevin yesterday on the road, and he almost had road rage. And yeah, I'm joking. He didn't have road rage, but like he's like, "Man, I'm glad I didn't flick you off." You know, like and so he didn't do that because the Holy Spirit is in him. You know, and uh, and so it means that we we act differently. We do things differently. We. We drive differently. We you know all these things, right? It's all because the spirit is at work in us. And this paraclete is a is a helper, a comforter, a counselor. That's why you know Jesus said it's to your to his disciples in the Gospel of John, it's to your benefit that I go away. Cause if I don't go away, the comforter, the helper won't come. Amen. I love how Francis Chan puts it. He says, Jesus refers to the Holy Spirit as a paraclete or or an urging, a paracaleo, as helper or comforter. And let me ask you a simple question. Why would we need to experience the comforter in our lives if we're already comfortable? Why would we need to experience the comforter in our lives if we're already comfortable? We have to find joy and service by living on the edge of what Jesus has called us to do. And you know what? You may suffer. You may be ridiculed but he's there he brings us through the valley of the shadow of death and we 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 offer our lives as true worship to Jesus a living sacrifice i love there's an unknown saying here about the problem of a living sacrifice a living sacrifice is that it always wants to wiggle itself off the altar You know, it's an unknown saying, nobody knows who says that. But living sacrifice, you can't kill and make sit on the altar. A living sacrifice is like a a toddler or just boys in general, right? You know, like a a living sacrifice uh, doesn't shut up and is not ever quiet. A living prone to wonder, Lord, I feel it, right? We sung that hymn growing up, you know? We are all prone to wonder, and that's why we have to constantly renew our minds, as Paul writes here. We renew, Renewing your mind is a mental ascent to who Jesus is. We renew our minds by reading our Bibles every day. We renew our minds by praying and spending time with Jesus. We renew our minds by actually doing what Jesus called us to do. As we share his love with one another in both word and deed, we find Jesus there. I mean, honestly, I've experienced the presence of Jesus more in serving than I have in like any other way in which I try to bring the Lord's presence in my life. Because when you're there and you don't know the words to say, you know, some of us, we're like scared to share Jesus. Do you know what Jesus said? When you don't know the words to say, he's going to give us those words. If we're reliant on the Holy Spirit, you don't have to have every answer. I get asked questions all the time. I don't know the answer to. I have a seminary degree. That doesn't mean I have all the answers. But what it does mean is that I know to where to go to find the answers. And so I'd encourage you to read. I, hey, y'all, I hate, I hate, I hate reading. I'm not a natural reader. I don't know that I've ever read a nonfiction or a fiction book cover to cover. Maybe the closest I ever got was Where the Red Fern Grows. You ever read that? Maybe. <laughs> I did what they called cliff notes or spark notes all throughout school. That was unethical. I should have gotten an F for it, right? I cannot, I am not, I, I've never read the classics like Chronicles of Narnia or Grapes of Wrath or any. I am just not a natural reader. But what I could read were things I was a little interested in. Like, y'all remember these these things in ancient time called the newspaper? Y'all remember that? Like, I used to read the comics, right? You know, you get the comic section, especially on Sunday, and you read the comic section, or I'd read the sports section about the saints. And this is when the saints are terrible. You know, this is like the Jim Moore years where they weren't doing as good. And then, uh, Y'all, there was that purgatory time with Mike Dicka. I don't know if y'all remember that, those years. Um, but like the, we had two quarterbacks named Billy Joe. You were not going to win a Super Bowl. It, there's been two Billy Joes in NFL history, and somehow they were on the New Orleans Saints team at the same time. That tells you a little bit. But I, I was interested in the Saints so I could read about them. And I will tell you, I, I say all that to be funny or whatever, but when you read God's word, there especially if you're interested in who God is, there's something supernatural that happens. It makes you want to read it because you read, you then realize you're not reading it as much as it's reading you. Amen. And if you're not good at reading, like uh, the Bible app will read to you. Like, let it read to you on your commute, you know, to and from school or work. Like, let God's word soak into you. That is how we renew our minds as a living sacrifice. If we're called to be salt and light, as Jesus commanded us in Matthew 13, chapter 5, verses 13 through 14, then the way that we are transformed rather than conformed to the image of the world, the way that we are transformed or metamorpho, that's where we get the word metamorphosis from an ongoing transformation into the image of Christ. The way we do that is by committing ourselves to know Christ more. And so I want to encourage you, if you haven't, uh, if you're not a part of a a small group here with Family Church, uh, our small groups, we're not guilting you into it. Just know that that's a way to grow closer to Jesus because you have accountability. Um, I'm sure everyone who showed up midweek for our FC equip nights can tell you that we've learned a lot together. Uh, It's not all, Hey, we talked about the Trinity the other night and my head hurt after it. You know, it's not that we we have every answer, but we are going to go to God's word and we're going to learn together. This week, we're talking about Satan, angels, and demons. So you might want to be there. I taught Miss Faye, I blew Miss Faye's mind this last week when I said, You don't become an angel when you die. It doesn't mean that like things like all of that all the things that we hear in the world are evil, but what it does mean is that we humbly go to Jesus and we learn more about him and we learn more about his truth. Joy and service results from God's mercy. Now what we see in the next few verses is that joy and service results from God's grace. So mercy is not getting something you deserve. Grace is getting something that you don't deserve. They're just the opposite ends of one another. Grace is not getting something, is getting something that you don't deserve. It's like we took our boys to, there was like a sports uh, collectible Pokemon type show at the Ponchatrain Center yesterday, and they didn't deserve the ten dollars that we gave them to to buy Pokemon cards and try to rip the dealers off and all this by trading and all that. Braden is really good at that; he can turn a, a piece of junk into like thirty bucks. It's a, it's incredible. He's gonna do awesome things for Jesus, <laughs> but wise as serpents and as doves, you know. But but they didn't deserve that ten bucks that we gave them. But by grace, y'all know. Like, we want to bless our children. If we who are evil, as Jesus put it, if we who are evil know how to give good gifts to our children, how much more will the Father give His grace, or the Holy Spirit, as Luke puts it, to those who ask? It means, hey— my kids are evil every Christmas, but somehow Santa overlooks it, right? And gives them good things, you know, because we, we love, love, love blessing our kids. It's what we do. How much more will God the Father bless us if we ask for his spirit and his presence? in our lives. If we who are evil know how to give good gifts to our children, how much more will our Father in heaven give the Spirit to those who ask? So, in the church in in Rome at this time that Paul's writing to, Rome is the center of power in the Roman Empire, of course, and it's also the place where Christians are they, they're under persecution. You've heard about Emperor Nero. Well, right before the time that Romans was written, you had the Edict of Claudius, which kicked uh, Christians out of Rome and they scattered. And that's why Peter was writing to the church in Asia Minor or modern day North Turkey. And, but what we see here is now it's several years later after the Edict of Claudius and the, and the Christians are now coming back and they're gathering in house churches. And these these Christians are diverse. You look around the room. I'm not talking about just racial diversity around the room, but if you look around the room, there's a lot of different types of people. There are uh, Saints fans, and then there's Robert, you know? Um, He's a Cowboys fan. We feel sorry for him. He had his glory in the 70s and 80s and 90s. It's been painful ever since, you know? Um, I love you, Robert. You know, we've got different types of people in this room we have people that will vote differently in, in November. In this room, we have people who stand on different issues, but here's what the gospel does. The good news of Jesus it turns a band of natural enemies into a family. It turns people who are different into friends. It, it literally turns friends in the spiritual family. And so what you see here in the church at Rome is there are rich and poor and Jew and Gentile and there's all of this like tendency to to want. You know, all selfishness is rooted in pride. It's pride is elevating yourself above another person. Humility is just the opposite. Humility doesn't mean that you, you don't have dignity. But humility means that you lower yourself so others can be lifted up. And the funny thing is, right, humble ourselves before the Lord. And what does he do? He lifts us up. But the goal is not to be lifted up. He lifts us up so that we can lift him up more. And so what we see, I'm going to read these verses real quick, quick, is that we can see that joy and service results from God's grace. So let's look at, at verses three through eight for by the grace given to me, and Paul specifically is talking about the grace as an apostle, as someone who is now writing under the inspiration of the Spirit to the church. Paul killed Christians. If you think anybody is too evil to be turned, then look to Paul. Paul literally killed Christians. Now he's living his life as a sacrifice for the spreading of Christianity among the church and among the world. For by the grace given to me, I tell every one one among you not to think of himself more highly than he should think. Next time you want to be arrogant, read that verse. I urge every one of you not to think of himself more highly than he should think. Instead, think sensibly. Maybe your translation says, have sober judgment. As God has distributed a measure of faith to each one. Now we are many parts in one body. And all parts don't have the same function. In the same way, we are many in one body in Christ and individually members of one another. And according to the grace given to us, now this word for grace is charismata. And this charismata is, is, is rooted in the word charis. And charis in the Greek is grace. So our spiritual gifts are charismata, is rooted in the grace that we have all now found in Jesus, and we are gifted by the Spirit with gifts so that we can serve the body, not bring attention to ourselves. Uh, Chris and Lila were joking uh, before service that they had visited a church uh, closer to home, and they may may have been glad that they didn't visit that church because one of the churches that, you know, we're supposed to worship the Lord in spirit and in truth. Sometimes we get that balance wrong. Maybe we're all about the truth and we don't have the spirit. Maybe we have the spirit and we take the truth and we put it down here, right? There's a balance that we have to find in that. I love what Jim Cimbala writes. He says in his book, Fresh Wind, Fresh Fire, he writes, Satan's tendency has always been to push us and the church to one extreme or the other. And Jim Symbola comes from a more charismatic background than me. But what I love is he says Satan's tendency is always to push us w- towards one extreme or the o- other, deadness or fanaticism. Deadness or fanaticism, isn't that what you see when you go into most churches? You see deadness or you see a show, right? And deadness or fanaticism, if you only have the word, you dry up. If you only have the spirit, you blow up, but if you have both, you grow up. If you only have the word, you dry up. If you only have the spirit, you blow up, but if you have both, you grow up. That's what God has called us to do. So he writes here in scripture, according to the grace, the spiritual gifts given to us, we all have different gifts. If prophecy or proclaiming God's truth, use it according to the portion of one's faith. If service, use it in service. If teaching, in teaching. If in exhorting or encouraging to action, in your exhortation, in giving with generosity, leading with diligence, showing mercy with cheerfulness. Now here's the deal. You don't have to look at your brother and sister and say, man, they've got a gift that I want. Here's what what Paul goes on and says, maybe you've been into a church before that emphasized one spiritual gift over the other. Well, here's the deal. We don't all get the same spiritual gifts. And what you see as mundane, God doesn't see as mundane. If your spiritual gift is service, if you really like scrubbing toilets, you know, there are people out there that like to do that, then that is your spiritual gifts. Here's the thing about gifts though. It doesn't mean that if we have a gift, that if someone else has a gift that we don't serve in that area too. It means that they're usually leading in that service. So we are all called to be generous givers, but there are people who are gifted to be generous. I know several in this congregation, don't tell them what's going wrong with you because will, you, something will come in Amazon for you, you know? And, and that's a good thing, right? Because they're, they're generous people. Like my grandmother was that way. She would give you the shirt off her own back if she could. She would suffer for your good. They're gener- generous people. We're still all called to be generous. Like Paul writes in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 6 and 7, the point is this, the person who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. The person who sows generously will also reap generously. Let each person decide what is, in his heart what he should give, not reluctantly or out of compulsion. Y'all hear that, right? When we take the offering, we don't do it out of compulsion, right? And we don't give reluctantly. But God calls us to do this. We are supposed to be cheerful givers, When we realize, we tell our boys this because they have a hard time when they make 20 bucks wanting to give any of it to, to Jesus, you know? And we don't do a good enough job at forcing them. I mean, my mom forced me to do it, and we should do that more with our boys. But like, here's the thing, like, we realize what we have is not ours. And when we realize what we have is not ours, we realize that He ends up giving us what we need to accomplish what he's called us to do. That's not prosperity gospel. That's the gospel. That's literally because money doesn't own you. The Lord owns your money, your, your time, your talent, your treasure. Paul writes in verse 11 of 2 Corinthians chapter 9, you will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way which through us, through the work of the church, will produce thanksgiving to God. Paul's being baptized today because of the generous work of the church. That's what what the church... Pays me, which means as a result of me being on, on salary here at the church, I'm able to make a living and I'm able to have kids, you know, uh, or afford my kids. And Braden, even though Braden, oh, where's Braden? Is he, he's Roman somewhere? Oh, he's back there. Yeah. So, like, Braden, Braden, even though Braden can do a lot of bad things, one thing Braden's really good at is inviting people to church. And he, invo- he, he inv- invited his friend Paul. And now, because of that, Paul has heard about Jesus, and Paul's responding. You be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through the work of the church will bring thanksgivings to God. The way we're able to pay for our block party in a few weeks is through the generous giving of the church. I'm not just talking about your money. Lizzie's going to talk with us about the end. We can't pull off these events without you. Without you. I think back to Hurricane Ida, all those... 10,000 hot meals that we were able to give out during Hurricane Ida. It was through the generous giving of men and women from Alabama, Florida, Mississippi, all Louisiana, all just generously given of their time and talent so that we could serve a community in need. Joy and service results from God's grace. And we're going to wrap it up here. Joy and service results from God's love. Now, here's the meatiest part of the sermon, and I'm going to try to wrap up in 10 minutes, so I'm going to be quick, but there are 13 different, like, charges in this passage. I was joking with a a friend of mine the other day, and he's like, what are you preaching on Sunday? I said, all of Romans 12. He laughed at me because he was like, literally, Romans 12, I'm not lying. You could preach 52 messages for the entire year out of the book of Romans, but hopefully by reading out of Romans chapter 12, hopefully by reading it, it causes you to go back and to soak it in more. So let's look at how joy and service results from God's love. Let love, and the love here is agape love. There's different types of love in the Greek. Agape love is godly love, godly love. So let godly love be without hypocrisy because godly love can't have hypocrisy. Because God's not a hypocrite. God is who he is. Let love be without hypocrisy, detest evil, and cling to what is good. Love one another deeply as brothers and sisters. I talked about there being different types of love in the Greek. I love right here in the Greek, uh, the word for love. It's two words combined. Philio storge. Philio means brotherly, Philadelphia. Storge means familial. So it means that in the church, we love one another deeply as brothers and sisters in Christ as a family or a family church. Um, Love one another deeply as brothers and sisters. Outdo one another in showing honor. Y'all, we all want to be honored, but what does scripture tell us? We should outdo ourselves in honoring others. Don't lack diligence and zeal. You can't be a dead Christian is what this is saying. Don't lack diligence and zeal. Be fervent in the spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice. We talked about joy and service. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in affliction. Paul knew about affliction. Be persistent in prayer. Where is our hope? found in suffering. It's found by spending time with Jesus in prayer. Share with the saints. You see it says share with the saints, not the cowboys. Um, I thought I'd wake up. Oh, there he is. I woke him up. That's good. So share with the saints and their needs. This is why in scripture, hey, welcome to the party. You're a saint. If you follow Jesus, you're a saint. Not just special people become saints the body of Christ, you are part of the family. Welcome to the family. I I, I love this quote by John Pohill, and I'll read it before I continue to read the rest of this, this scripture. The gospel is the great equalizer. The good news of Jesus is the great equalizer. I love to say that the ground is level at the foot of the cross. All can come, right? In the gospel or the good news of Jesus, there are no half breeds. There are no physical rejects. No place for human prejudice. Amen. Share with the saints and their needs, and pursue hospitality. What did the author of Hebrews, when he ended the book in Hebrews chapter thirteen verse two, he said, "Don't neglect to be hospitable, because you may have entertained angels unaware." This week, we're going to talk about angels, Satan, and demons, you know? Sometimes we forget that angels can manifest themselves physically. Uh, The Old Testament, you go back to Sodom and Gomorrah, the angels manifested themselves physically. We don't know that that person that we've cared for may be a representative of the one who's called us to care. Bless those who persecute you. What is the test of love when you love someone that you don't want to? When you love someone who's hurt you, when you love someone who's persecuted you, bless those who persecute you. That's not what the world says. We don't bless those who persecute us. We bless those who bless us. We bless those. I want to hang around people who are like me. I don't want to hang around people who aren't like me. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Rejoice. Weep with those who weep. That's what we do in the church well. When when all's going right, we're there with you, rooting you on. When all's going wrong, we're there with you, bearing your burdens as the body of Christ. Live in harmony with one another. That ain't easy, but it's what God has called us to do. Live in harmony with one another. Don't be proud. Instead, associate with the humble, do not be wise in your own estimation and don't repay anyone evil for evil. Give careful thought to do what is honorable among, um, um, honorable in everyone's eyes. We, do, we, we try to do what is honorable so that the name of Jesus cannot be defamed. We have checks and balances in and we have a counting team that counts the offering after this. I'm so thankful for the, for actually Jeannie and Ken did it forever. When Jeannie got sick, Kathleen stepped up and Becky helps out. And if you want to, if you're ethical, I'm going to let them judge who's ethical. If you want to help to count so they don't have to do it every week, we'd love to help you count. That's why we have two people do it together because we try to be, right, checks and balances. We try to do what is honorable among everyone, so that the name of Jesus won't be defamed. If it's possible, as far as it depends upon you, live at peace with everyone. Now, this doesn't mean that life is going to be peaceful, and it doesn't mean that people aren't going to hate you. But what did it say? It says, as it depends upon you, live in peace with everyone friends don't avenge yourselves instead leave room for god's wrath because it's written vengeance belongs to me i will repay says the lord but if your enemy is hungry feed him if he is thirsty give him something to drink for in doing so you'll be heaping fiery coals on his head we don't do good to like ha coals on your head you know now no this is referring to an ancient hebrew an ancient egyptian practice where to get someone to tell the truth, they would put hot coals in a bowl on their head until they told the truth. So in the same way, you usually find out what is true. Integrity always wins in the end. You don't have to say you're the one with integrity. Integrity wins as people observe your actions and your motives. You know what? God usually blesses the one with integrity. So, what it means is when we're wrong, we don't repay really back evil for evil. We continue to bless those who persecute us and do what is good. And in doing so, we don't take judgment into our hands. We don't try to elevate ourselves to God. We all want to do that all the time. We all want to be little gods in this room. But we don't elevate ourselves to God. We trust Him with His justice and His righteousness that flows like a river and like an unfailing stream. Don't be conquered by evil, but conquer evil with good. Don't be conquered by evil, but conquer evil with good. And and how do we do all this? We do this By renewing our minds and being a part of God's will each and every day. I love, anybody ever heard of Corey Tin Boone? She was a writer during the Holocaust. And Corey Tin Boone, her sister, Betsy Tin Boone, died in a Nazi concentration camp as she was living for Jesus. And this is what she said The center of God's will is our only place of safety. The center of God's will is our only. Place of safety. I also came across this Martin Luther King quote, which uh, was kind of ironic in the way that in which he died, which a lot of us know this. But Martin Luther King once wrote, not that long before his death, like anyone else, I'd like to live a long life. Longevity has its place, but I'm not concerned about that now. I only want to do God's will. Longevity has its place, but I only want to do God's will. Being a living sacrifice doesn't mean that you're perfect. We look at Cory Timboom, We look at Martin Luther King. We look at C.S. Lewis. We look at all these people in history, and we can pick them apart in all that they did wrong. I wouldn't want a mirror. I wouldn't want that magnifying glass on me. But here's what I know. Even in my imperfection, he is and I know that by laying down my life, even enemies can be turned into friends. Amen. Even enemies can become a part of the same family Amen. of Christ. And I close with this. I love how F.F. Bruce puts it. The best way to get rid of an enemy is to turn them into a friend. Amen. The best way to get rid of an enemy is to turn them into a friend. And that's what Jesus did with you and me. Scripture says that God so loved the world he gave his only son that whoever believes in him wouldn't have to perish, wouldn't have wrath, but would have everlasting life, would have mercy and grace. And I'd like to invite you to join the family. We're we're a weird bunch. I'm not talking just about family, church. I'm talking about the family of Jesus Christ that's gathering all over the city this morning. I invite you, if you've never been a part of a church family, or if you've never given your heart to Jesus, do not let today pass until you do so. The Bible says in Romans 10:13, everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And through that, we get to live as first as Peter tells us in first Peter chapter three, verses eight through nine. Finally, all of you be like-minded and sympathetic loving one another, compassionate and humble towards one another, not paying back evil for evil or insult for insult, but on the contrary, giving a blessing. Since you were called to this so that you may inherit a blessing. That's what the Christian life is all about. We bless others because we have been blessed. And I invite you today to build your life on that truth. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. Lord, we thank you so much for being our God and our King. God, I pray that I would build my life on your love and that I would stand on you as a firm foundation. Lord, it's not about what I can sacrifice. It's about what you've sacrificed for me. So Lord, as a result, help me to be a living sacrifice. Help my life to be defined by mercy. Help my life be defined by grace. Help my life be defined by your love. Jesus, I pray that we would find joy in doing this. Lord, as we stumble and we fall, we get up, we fix our eyes on you, and we keep moving forward. Lord, I pray if there's someone in here today who doesn't know you, I pray that they would respond. They'd realize, God, I am not, and you are. I want to accept you. I want to live the rest of my life for you. God, maybe you're stirring up something in the spirit, the urging that we talked about, the perikaleo. Maybe someone's spirit, something is being stirred. God, I pray they would commit that to you today. They would join your family in the work that you've called them to do. It's in your name that we respond. Amen.